Welcome to Work Mom Says Don't Be an Idiot. And now, here's your host, Work Mom. Hi, I'm Lori Jovest, and this is Work Mom Says Don't Be an Idiot. If you're a professional looking for a happy and successful work life, I'm here to help you not be an idiot. I started this podcast after writing a book based on my 30 years of business experience. I've worked at big companies, small companies, mom and pop operations, big corporations, and now I'm kind of settled into this really cool laptop lifestyle doing social media strategy and copywriting. Somewhere along the way, um, probably when I was in my early 50s, I started to realize that some of the kids at the office, the 20-somethings, looked at me as work mom. And it became a joke around the office, and I was like, wait a minute, this is kind of fun. Um, But wait a minute, let me introduce my guest here today so she can jump in on this conversation. Um, This is Amanda Delka. Amanda, say hi. Hello. She's hanging out with me in the studio today, and we are going to talk about the emotional contact sport of business and how you, you know, when you're a young professional, things happen, and you don't really always know what to do with it. But back to what I was talking about earlier, my 50-something experience, I realized I was kind of becoming work mom. And I thought back on something somebody said to me, and Amanda, you'll relate to this, that you, for a really long time, you feel like any business situation, you're the youngest person in the room. Mm -hmm. And you, you live that way for a long time. And then all of a sudden, you look around and realize you could have given birth to everybody there (laughs) (laughs) because you're all of a sudden, and I don't know how it happens, you're the oldest person in the room. And there's advantages and disadvantages to that. Um, Amanda and I are both in advertising. Tell us what you do, Amanda. Uh, I am a designer. I'm still in college. Um, I have a couple classes left to take, but I've been working professionally for like a year and a half, I would yeah. say. So you're paying for your own experience. I mean, you're basically paying for your school with your business experience. Yeah, it's a so great kind of a double-edged sword going on. Yeah, it's so fun. And so what what I figured out, um one of my girlfriends uses the phrase business is an emotional contact sport. And I think what happens is is you get older, you get into your 50s, you've experienced just about everything. And I was trying to figure out, okay, I'm so compelled to put this great work mom content out into the world to help other people. But what makes me think that I'm the one to tell that story? And originally, I thought I was the one that could tell that story because I have been the idiot (laughs) over and over again. I I will be honest and say I have not had a whole lot of parenting. I've had some really great bosses. Mm -hmm. But when I jumped out into the business world at 20-something years old, I think I was 23 because I was on the five-year plan for college. (laughs) Um, I felt like I was trying to figure it all out myself. And I was the youngest person at the office who thought she knew everything. You know, I just, I know so much more right out of college mm-hmm. than everybody else. I was the person who said something less than complimentary about a coworker, and then, oops, they found out about it because people love to talk, mm-hmm. right? I have been the person who got drunk at the client lunch and didn't come back to the office and everybody's gossiping about you. You know, I've done all that stuff. And what I've learned over the last 30-something years is that the emotional management aspect of work is something we don't teach. And that if we did, it would make a huge difference in career success for people like Amanda. Yes, like, for sure. You, yeah, they don't they don't have emotional management classes at college. You don't get taught, you know, that you can look at business as a strategy with a strategy approach. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm looking down at 
this situation and going, okay, who am I in this situation? And what do I want? Do I want to show myself as being right in this argument with my coworker? Or do I want a really good relationship with that coworker so that when I need something, they're there for me? Mm -hmm. Pick your battles. Yeah. And so these emotional management skills and things that you learn are – are not really taught. Women in their 40s and 50s are a little, you know, we feel less popular in the workplace. You know, we feel less relevant. We're in advertising. Mm-hmm. You know, the the guys are running the show 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, how does it feel to be a, a younger woman in advertising? You just, I don't know. For me, I feel like I have to just not think about it and just be, it sounds bad to say, but almost just think of yourself as one of the dudes and just not be afraid to say what you want because... People already kind of discount what you have to say before you even say it. So, yeah. And what happens is not only do you feel that way in your 20s, but when you get to your 50s, you feel kind of relevant. Mm-hmm. You're relevant. And I had worked in an ad, ad agency before I started my own business two years ago. And it was very bro-ish, mm-hmm. lots of guys. And the things that they said and did to the women were just outrageous. But if you went to HR, nothing would happen. So boys will be boys, right? Boys will be boys, <laughs> yeah. Or he didn't mean anything by it, or he's a good guy, or I think in a lot of cases the person's making the company a lot of money. Yeah. And so they, you know, or the company thinks that they are. And you also don't want to come off like you're just complaining. Because when nothing happens, it's like, well, gee, was I being too sensitive? Was that, you know? Yeah. So what happens, what, what I thought about with Work Mom Says was, what if a bunch of us 50-something, 40 and 50-something women were to get together and share this information. And then what happened was it evolved into what if we had the young people on our podcast with us and we talked about what kind of things they ran into at work and what happened and how they managed them and if there was a different way of looking at that situation or or if you had a, a set way that you managed, you know, certain comments that men will make to you at work mm-hmm. because that happens. And or, I think even with like other young men too when they're coming out of college into that type of thing and then there's like the boss guys they feel pressure to act like those guys and then it just perpetuates it yeah even further so i wanted to use this podcast and potentially the book when it comes out as a way to help people get those emotional management skills um one of the things i wanted to talk about today specifically was confidence because I see a lot of younger kids, and Amanda, I'm not sure if this applies to you, because I, I actually work with Amanda, and she has a lot of confidence, which is <laughs> awesome. Or at least you put out there that you have a lot of confidence. But I was talking to a young designer a couple weeks ago, and as he went through the things that were really bothering him in the workplace, a lot of it was lack of confidence in his skills. Mm-hmm. Because I was able to stand back and look at what he was worried about and I was able to say, well, no, wait a minute. You know, these people really like and respect you. And you don't believe that yet because you're not sure you're good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and as we got into that conversation, I don't know if it helped him any, but it was really eye-opening for me that a lot of the problems that that we bring into work when we're younger are confidence. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think if you are going into any situation feeling bad about yourself, it doesn't matter what someone says to you because you already have that belief. Like, Someone could say to you, like, you're the most talented person I've ever worked with. And if you don't believe that or you have self-doubt, it doesn't matter. It just goes in one year and out the other. Exactly. So how do you how do you project the confidence that you project? Because you definitely do. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. I just think, like, 
I mean, I moved out when I was 18 and was kind of on my own and worked in bars, worked in restaurants. And I honestly think that helps a lot when you have people experience. You know, I was Mm -hmm. like 17, 18 working in a bar where I told them I was 21. And that's like the definition of fake it till you make it, right? You just have to be confident. Because if I walked up to tables being like, hi, like, what can I get you to drink? Like, they're going to be like, this girl is literally 16. Right. And I think that is a lot that goes into it, especially in advertising, kind of just faking it till you make it. Like, if you seem like you're nervous or that you're not confident, people pick up on that, I think. Oh, absolutely. And I know my son, um, he just got a, he just completed an internship at Fiat Chrysler over the last summer. And before he got into the interview, I coached him through the interview, which was a FaceTime interview. And then I also coached him before he started. And he's a University of Michigan grad, or going to be a University of Michigan grad in We're the, you same know, the age, end right? of the year. Yeah, I think you are. Yeah. During the interview, or before the interview, we were doing, you know, going back and forth, and I was telling him that a lot of the things employers are looking for in, in new employees are emotion management skills, mm-hmm. behavioral, how you handle situations. Right. And we were on the phone talking back and forth, and I was saying, okay, here's some questions they're going to ask you. And he honestly was like, no, mom, that's not what they're going to ask me. They're going to ask me about, you know, what my skills are. And I'm still in college. I don't really have any skills yet. And there are people that have a much better GPA than I do. And on and on. And just, he just kept like kind of getting more and more nervous about mm-hmm. the interview. And I was like, "Hun, stop, stop. As somebody who's managed young people and primarily creative teams, but I've managed a ton of people. They're not looking for your GPA. You're a U of M student. You're obviously smart. Mm-hmm. You, you're there. You're a CCS student. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit. I'm going to ask you about CCS. You can talk about what kind of uh, things that you're studying, et cetera. But he's a U of M student. And we talked about, okay, Kyle, when you walk into a room, people like you. When you get into a situation where somebody's acting like an ass, you handle it with finesse. You've got great people skills. That's what they want. Mm-hmm. No, it isn't, Mom. That's not what they want. I, and he, there's a lot of lack of confidence going on. And, of course, we, we, I made him go through the behavioral interviews because I am his mom, after all. <laughs> Real mom. And I kind of forced him through, like, let's talk through these questions, what answers you would get. When you're in a group project, what is your part that you play? What do you do if somebody just doesn't do their part or if there's a spat between two people on how something yeah. should be done? What part do you play? And he said, well, I'm the I'm the person that gets in the middle and, and helps them see things yeah. the Tries same to way. Diffuse. Diffuses it. Yeah. yeah. And sure enough, they have the interview and he did really well in the, the mock interview that we did. He did the interview. He calls me and he said, Mom, the first words out of their mouth were, hi, Kyle, this is going to be a behavioral interview. <laughs> and he was ready and he knew what to say. Employers are really interested in your emotional skills, your Mm -hmm. mood management skills. Um, Do you find that at all? I know advertising is a real creative field, so you might not see it as obviously. I think in advertising especially, I don't know, they tell us this in school too, it's like almost more about who you know and how you interact with people. Because obviously if you're talented and you have a good portfolio, like that helps. But I think I, from a young age, kind of like understood that it's almost like a game with people. Like you need to know how to treat people and talk to them in a way that makes them feel like you're their equal, even if you're not. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think even if you don't feel it, because I definitely, when I talk to people that are like CEO, CMO, like all these people that are way above me, like I obviously know they're way above me, but you can't act like that because I think they pick up on that. And they would rather have a conversation with someone that can talk to them at their, not at their level, but 
not well, person like, to person, yeah, human to human, instead of you know, oh, you're way up on this pedestal and I couldn't even come close to having anything relevant to say to you, which may be how you feel. (laughs) Yeah, but I think, yeah, if you talk to them just like they're normal people, they appreciate it more than if you're trying to impress them. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about your background so that people know when we're telling your stories where they come from. (laughs) Um, You are going to the College for Creative Studies. Yes. And what are you studying? Advertising design. It's a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. So what do you do day to day? A lot. I feel like another thing that's funny, like sidebar, is like people think art school is easier than like going to like a four-year university. And it's like the opposite. I don't know. I have friends that go to like Michigan State or U of M. And depending on what field they're studying, obviously, I'm like, why are you going out on a Wednesday? Like, I wouldn't, I don't even sleep on Wednesdays. Like... (laughs) So I feel like people definitely underestimate like what creative fields take to be successful because I think when people think you go to art school, it's like, oh, so you finger paint and, but it's like, what do they actually have you doing? It's a lot more like project based things. You're not studying for a test that you take and then you forget all the information. It's like projects that take weeks and weeks and weeks and you're constantly tweaking and it's like all consuming. And I also think that in the creative fields, you're kind of laying your heart out there. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, what you're creating is not a spreadsheet of numbers that's impersonal. Mm-hmm. It's not a Spanish language paper, which is impersonal. It's yeah, you have to your ideas brought to life, and then you kind of have to show them and go, oh, God, I hope they like them. Yeah, which you also know? I think has helped, at least for me, with the whole confidence thing, because it's like you you have to like what you're making. It comes from you. It's your idea. And then if your professor is like, this is horrible, like start over, it's like, oh, okay. Oh. It's not like getting a D on a math test. It's like it right. came from you. So, you know, you have to be able to take criticism and learn from it. And I think that helps with just dealing with people, too, because right. you're used to being knocked down a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> and honestly, in business, you will get knocked down over and over again. I had a, a boss. I was telling this story last week because it was just so funny. It was a company that had nine different divisions, and it was all kinds of production oriented things like they had an equipment rental division and a film lab division and I would I was the marketing manager so I would work with those divisions the general managers and we would create like a full page ad for the local production magazine mm-hmm. everybody would be on board and it's all approved and the designer did it and we all thought it was great and I'd walk into the CEO's office and I would present that and he'd go well that sucks <laughs> And you're like, oh, okay. Well, a couple things. Yeah, he paid me really well. He was very flexible with my I, my employment and my when I was pregnant with my son. And, mm-hmm. and so I knew I didn't want to leave that company because of that kind of input. What I wanted to do was give him what he wanted. So he'd yeah. say, well, that sucks. And then I would go... Okay, what sucks about it? Mm-hmm. You know, but I couldn't use my I had to have those emotional management skills to be able to go, okay, instead of thinking it was me that yeah, sucks, it right. was he didn't like the idea and he didn't know what he wanted until he saw what he didn't want. I think that's like the confidence thing too. It's like if someone doesn't like something you're doing, they don't not like you. But right. since it comes from you and it's your ideas and your talents that you're putting in, it feels a lot more personal. So oh, I think that can really like affect how people see themselves when it's like, no, they just don't like the color right. or they don't like how it looks. And, and it's just different taste. Teachable moment here, Randy. Teachable moment. <laughs> okay, this is a teachable moment. Another teachable moment. That's what I like to call a teachable moment. Brought to you by Work Mom Says Don't Be an Idiot. A teachable moment here, people. <laughs> Um, 
what I really like to think about that is when somebody is looking at your work and they're rejecting it, the focus is on the work, not on you mm-hmm. as a human being. Mm-hmm. And in nine times out of ten, especially in design and advertising, things are so subjective. Right. I don't like that word. Or I had someone say to me yesterday, "I don't like silly." Well, personally, I love silly. So I'm gonna, if I'm uh, you know if you're my client, and I don't know you yet. I may present something that's a little silly mm-hmm. because it gets attention on social media. Right. Then when you tell me, "Oh, it's I don't like silly." Okay, cool. I won't do that with you anymore. Mm-hmm. But I didn't take it personally and get sad or upset like I'm right and he's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just subjective. Right. So a lot of times decisions in business are so subjective. And if you own what you put out, I look at my work as a client is paying for it, so they own it. Yeah. It's not mine anymore. It's not. And so it's not personal. And I can love it and you can hate it. And that's okay. Yeah. It's hard. It's it's a fine line of like, because you want to put yourself into your work and love it and believe in it. And then you also can't take it so personally if someone else doesn't, because like you said, they're paying for it at the end of the day. And Exactly. It's time for another Let's Hear Your Crazy Story. The story you are about to see is true. Oh my God, that's so funny. Well, a couple things. We want to get into Amanda's stories because (laughs) if there's one thing about work, Mom says, you're going to hear a lot of stories about things that happen at work. Um, And some of them are absolutely crazy. So since you've already been out in the workplace for a year and a half, you've run into a couple of interesting situations situations yeah so tell us about the time you had to hire your mom i (laughs) call this story drunk and disorderly that time amanda had to hire her mom so um okay so this was before i was in like advertising advertising i was taking a lot of like freelance design jobs and stuff to try to get my foot in the door kind of when i was still waitressing and stuff um And so I stumbled upon this job and it was kind of like graphic design um, for like a sportswear brand. Not really what I wanted to do, but it was like more relative to my field. And um, one of my managers, it was a pretty small company. So a lot of times I'd be there with like one or two other people. And one of my managers was like a raging alcoholic, like would leave at lunch, come back like absolutely hammered and just Ooh. it was interesting to like try to be productive in a in a setting like that um aye, aye, aye. and then it got to a point where the business was kind of in a weird place where we didn't really know if it was going to continue or if it was going to get moved and there was a lot of just logistic things happening and so i think it was putting stress on uh one of my managers and he decided one day to not leave for lunch but instead just drink in the office which the office wasn't like a normal setting. It was kind of just like a warehouse, like one room, like with desks. It, w- it was like an open floor plan type deal, I guess. <laughs> open floor plan. In other words, we don't want to spend the money to put up the walls. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and so doors and stuff. I'm like trying to work and he's like, at the time too, I think I was 18, oh my 19. I definitely was not of age. And he was like, just kept pouring me drinks. And then... He's like, oh, come on, like, what? Just, like, peer pressuring me. And I'm like, you're, like, a 50-something-year-old man. Like, Ew. I don't – and I'm also just trying to get my work done so I can go home. Like, it's a Thursday. I'm not <laughs> trying not to sit around and this get drunk with work. you. Um, so every time he would, like, walk away, I would just kind of, like, pour it over my shoulder, like, in a oh, movie or geez. something or just – go in the sink and pour it out and he so I think he thought I was keeping up with him because my cup kept being empty so he was just like pouring it and part of my (laughs) rationale was like well if I if he thinks I'm drinking half of this he's not going to drink the whole thing so like just keep them coming and I'll dump them out (laughs) 
And then I got to a point, I kind of just like put my headphones in and tried to ignore him. And then I was working and I was like, what is that? And I turned around and he's just chain smoking cigarettes inside in 2017, 2018. <laughs> like that's definitely no. not legal. And I was like, oh, I kind of just, I was like, I'm not going to say anything because I don't even want to like Ugh. engage. And then probably 10 minutes later, like I said, so it was an open floor plan. Um, and our bathrooms were kind of just on the back wall. So he was drinking all day. So obviously when you drink all day, you have to pee. And, um, <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so he That's decided to relieve himself with the door wide open. And I turned around and was like, okay, well, oh, he's peeing and with no uh privacy uh, oh jesus <laughs> so yeah i think at that point i was like okay this is bad and like i think on my drive home i was just like i feel uncomfortable like to be at work like i don't yeah, no. want to be alone as like an 18 year old girl like with this man that's drunk not that he was doing anything like creepy towards me but you never know and it's just like an uncomfortable like this is how i make my money right like yeah it wasn't like i could just stop showing up because like i have bills to pay um so i was like called my mom and I was like you want a job being my assistant aka being my uh, bodyguard <laughs> Go, so mama. I think it was like two or three days later she just showed up with me at work and I put her on payroll and she just helped me sometimes she would literally just sit there and like wipe down tables but I was like I need you to be here because oh. I'm uncomfortable and she had just quit her job so she was just kind of looking for something to do and it was nice because we get to like hang out with each other yeah. every day but I think the guy was definitely like what the hell like why is your mom here I had to put a stop to his lecherous behavior yeah I was like well I guess that's one way to solve the problem is just to hire your mom right yeah I, I've got to I've got to bring in another story here because it's so funny um, one of the things that will happen in work situations is alcohol. If you're in advertising, it Especially, is everywhere. Yeah. Right. And um, one of my girlfriends, Denise, tells this really funny story about being out with a client. And, you know, really the purpose of the meeting was to go out and have a contract signed. Talk it through, have it signed. Well, let's meet at a bar. We'll have a drink, the guy suggests. And so he, she gets a drink, he gets a drink, and then he wants her to keep up with him. And her response to him was, well, I can't really do that because if I drink too much, I projectile vomit. And I'll vomit all over the table, all over me. I'll vomit all over you. It'll be really bad. And she said that got him stopped in his tracks immediately. <laughs> and they got the contract signed and they were on their way. So that may have been helpful in that situation. Yeah. Usually I would say just get, just remove yourself from the right. situation. But you can't. If it's your job and it's the only one you have, yeah, then you know you've got to work toward finding another job before you can get out. So I thought that alcohol makes me vomit. Yeah, story I'm actually is a really allergic nice to alcohol. Tactic. It gives me explosive diarrhea. Sorry, I can't. <laughs> that's another good one. Yeah, because that's like okay, I'll just sign this contract and be on my way. Talk about <laughs> disgusting bodily functions and everything gets back on track. Yeah, <laughs> or just say you're pregnant. Yeah, exactly. I'm pregnant. That kind of changes everything, too, doesn't it? <laughs> so, Amanda, you have another story, too, that's really interesting. Um, teachable moment here on Work Mom Says. Okay, this is a teachable moment. When you're climbing your way to the top, you're new in your career, you're starting, you know, fresh, really looking for something great and getting promoted along the way and looking to grow that really profitable venture for yourself. People that you run into all along the way, when you're going up, 
if you have ever get into a situation where you're falling back down, you will run into those same people. Mm-hmm. The kindness that you share with others is what will get you success in your career. Um, I've got a story of a guy that uh, our audio engineer here, Randy, knows, um, Mark. And when I was in sales back in production, um, Mark went through some really hard times. He'd been a creative director in an ad agency, older guy. And he just could not find a, a new job. And it was back when the recession was, mm, you know, mm-hmm. 2008, 2009. It was horrible. And he would come into my office in the middle of the day. He lived right around the corner. Mark would come by unexpected. Oh, I just want to chat. I'm really looking for a job. I can't find anything. It's just awful. You know, and he would I said, Mark, let's get some coffee. And I'd sit down and we would talk. And he would be there sometimes for an hour just Blah, 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 blah. And he was an Eeyore. You know, Eeyores are like, oh. Yeah, Debbie and Downer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He could do absolutely nothing for me. But he had been a client. Mm-hmm. And he was a wonderful guy. He was a really good guy, really talented. Week after week, I swear at least once a month for a couple of years, it seemed like he came into my office Ugh, and I would have God. to stop. It was awful. And I'd been around long enough to know that that could have been me, mm-hmm. you know. And I knew the way advertising and creative business runs, it's pretty easy to kind of fall out of the business in your 60s and just never get anything from that point forward. I've seen it happen to so many people. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And but I so I couldn't I couldn't let, you know, be rude to Mark or not be there for Mark or I just had to do what I did. Mm -hmm. A couple of years went by and and, uh, one day Mark calls me and says, hey, I got a new client. And I want to uh, I want to talk to you about it and kind of tell you guys what we need. We need a lot of video. I was running a video studio th- at the time, and we ended up getting honestly probably hundreds of thousands of dollars of work from Mark. Yeah, because in the it, after his stint of difficulty, he found a position where he was the lead copywriter on automotive um, instruction manual videos, the videos that come with your car when you buy right. it, and. We did that work for probably five years, no competitive bids. Eventually, the work did, you know, calm down and go away. Mm -hmm. But he remembered that. He didn't forget me for that. He appreciated that. And we built such a really cool relationship because he was like a, you know, he was this really creative writer. And he always had some really interesting things to show me that he'd been working on and and things like that. So I I like to tell the, the younger people that just be really careful who you show your anger to who you who you show your impatience with because yeah. there are people out there that are going to make you really impatient and they they may not have the same skills you do etc but they might be the person that gives you that huge project later on in your career so that's a teachable moment that <laughs> I wanted to make sure I shared today another example of that story Amanda's got a great story that that exemplifies that same thing where you had accepted a position with a guy as a designer mm-hmm. for what was the product? He does like um, promotional products, I would say, for brands. So like, he works with ad agencies. So like, if uh, there's a campaign where they need to give people like flash drives with the company's logo or whatever, like he will supply that stuff. Chachkis, yeah, we call them pretty much, yeah. Trinkets and trash. Um, yeah. and they do. He also does like packaging design too, like custom things. So mm-hmm. like, if you get uh one of those subscription boxes in the mail. And I'm like, addicted to subscription boxes. You know how they like, they oh, all look really nice I and you open them, them and they're like yeah. all folded. So like they do that kind of stuff too. Awesome. And they, he came to uh, like the career fair at CCS and someone had like recommended him to me. So we were talking and 
Um, I was looking for a new position because my internship was coming up. And and the drunk guy, she didn't want to work with the drunk guy anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I was just looking for something else. And I think I ended up going there for like a formal interview after I talked to him at the uh, career day or whatever. And right on the spot, he like offered me the job. And I was like, oh, okay. I wasn't really expecting that. Like usually it's like an interview, then you hear yeah. later. So I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, and that was also just a tricky situation because when someone offers you it to you on the spot and you're not sure, it's like, how do you yeah. deal with that? Where it's like, yeah. you can always <laughs> tell them you need to think about it. Yeah. And never hesitate to say, give me 24 hours. Yeah. Because that anybody, if anybody who can't give you 24 hours, there's something wrong. Right. But always in those situations, another teachable moment, <laughs> always give yourself 24 hours to think of a decision like that. Yeah. So. And it was strange because it was like, he wasn't really giving me a lot, whole lot of room to talk. It was like, okay, so this is going to be great. You're going to work here. And, and I think I did say like, I would talk to him again, like next week or something, um, kind of to like put him at bay and just take like, some of the heat off. Yeah. And like, I wanted to think about it too. And so I guess he just took that as, like, I was going to take the job, stopped interviewing people, stopped looking for other people to fill the role. And then I was supposed to start, like, two weeks after that. And, like, the day before I was supposed to start, I got a call for another job offer that was a lot better. Um, And so when I told him that, he was, like, really mad, like, harassing text messages, calling me, like, probably, like, upwards of 50 times that day. And just leaving me really, like, mean and aggressive texts and voicemails and stuff. And I I had sent him a heads up. I think I either left a voicemail or texted him because I was at school when I got the offer. And so I was going to go down there that day and talk to him in person. But I wanted to give him a little bit of a heads up as soon as I found out. And then I was like, well, I'm glad I did that instead of just going right down there. Because who would know what would have happened? Um, You don't want to be in person with somebody that angry. Yeah. So I was glad that I just, I was like, I mean, sorry if that's rude to not tell you in person. But, like, you're crazy. I don't want to. And so after it kind of blew over at my new job, I was in a meeting. um, How many months later? Like two, a month or two. Like not. Like it wasn't like after. a long time had no, gone by. It was, probably, Just, okay. it was still probably fresh for him. Like he was probably still angry. Oh, yeah. um, and it was I was running a little bit late because it was off site and um, I had another meeting before. So they had already kind of gotten started and I walked in and he, he was the vendor and I was the client in the situation. I walked in and I was like, Ugh! like I immediately felt like I had to poop. I was like. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, like, this is so awkward. And it was weird because I was like, he probably feels more uncomfortable than I do because he's trying to sell, like, me his stuff. Like, he's trying to impress me. So I was like, oh, my God. I just, like, opened my laptop and I was, like, hiding behind it. And I was texting my colleague. And I was like, this is the guy. And she was like, him? Like, him? Like, pointing? And I was like, stop doing that. in the same room yes like sitting across from me and so she's like wait like him like over there like pointing and I'm like can you stop doing that (laughs) like obviously this is already awkward enough and then my boss knew the situation because when he had offered me the job I told him like I already had a job and then I told him I was like he was really pissed when I told him I couldn't work there and I think halfway through the meeting that guy addressed me by my first name and I said like I was running late so no one had like formally introduced us so I think my boss was like wait how do they know each other? And then it clicked. And then he just went, oh, shit. 
And I was like, oh, don't talk about it. And he was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I should have thought about it. Like, I don't know why, what I was thinking. Like, I wouldn't have invited you if I knew he was, like... And he, the, meanwhile, he's sitting there, like, still, oh. when he's... A, so he said that in front of the guy yeah. that was... And I was oh, just great. like, I love that. oh, my God. And then, like, I don't know, I was telling people at work um, when I got back, and they were like, well, he definitely felt worse than you did because... He As probably, he should have. He probably knows that you told everybody what an asshat he was to you. Yeah. And then he also... We had to use him um, because we had, he's local and it was a short turnaround time and he messed up our order too, big time. So oh, great. we're never going to use him again. But I'm like, oh my God, my whole body was clenched. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> and he, that is one of the best examples I've ever heard of. Don't let your anger get in your way in business. Because now all those people know what an ass that guy is. Yeah, you know? right. And that, I mean, we could have made him a lot of money if we would have kept using him and stuff. But but that was, it was one and done, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's what, That's what happens. So that is our podcast for today. And uh, Amanda has been a wonderful guest and we really appreciate you being here. You will see, Thanks. you will hear from her again on Work Mom Says. So thank you for joining us. Next time we're going to be talking about Halloween, because I actually heard a story on the radio on the way over here about this year's sexy Mr. Rogers costume. Oh. Did you know? It's called Be My Neighbor. (laughs) Winky face. And I heard about it on the way in this morning. So next time we'll touch on Halloween and how things happen that can make life interesting at work. So. Listen then. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Work Mom Says... Don't be an idiot. For more information, you can email Work Mom at L-O-R-I WorkMomSays.com. That's Lori at WorkMomSays.com. And remember... <sighs> don't be an idiot. Don't be an idiot.